Good morning and welcome. My name is Craig Thompson, senior pastor here, and it's our privilege to have you with us this morning. Thank you so much for joining with us um, uh, and for, for taking and, and intending and planning to spend your time with us this Sunday morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Uh, I do want to just thank our, our musicians and uh, Kevin and all those who lead. I'm so glad to have that song back. It's taken a hiatus here, and it's definitely one of my, one of my favorites, so I'm really thankful for y'all's effort in getting that here. We've had a lot of good music in recent weeks, and I'm very grateful for all that goes into making that happen. Again, if you have your Bible, I really just kind of want to jump straight into my sermon, but I've got a couple of things i got to tend to first. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be Matthew chapter 11. Uh, the first thing is, immediately after the service, we're going to do something that we never do here, almost never do, but there will be a very brief business meeting right after service. Um, just keep your seats. We generally, we would send guests out if it's going to be long. It won't take but like two minutes. We're just going to approve the nominating committee's um, report. So as soon as service is over, we're going to do that real quickly. And then we will dismiss you and, and, and see you on uh, at the door wherever you need to be. So just be aware of that. Second thing is, um, last Sunday, well, for, actually for about a week, you guys had the opportunity to nominate and, and, uh, and elect um, refocus team members. So uh, we've talked about this multiple times at this point, but uh, our church is looking at that next step that we've got to take to meet our needs. And so that's going to look at what do we need to do within our own body? What do we do to reach outside of our own body? What do we do uh, to reach the world? And even what do we look to do to, to try and invest in other churches who are trying to help us reach our community? So um, along with that, there is a, um, uh, a, a necessary uh, team that will be helping us with that. You guys have elected those. Now, um, you elected eight team members, and the deacons decided to use your nominations and also add two alternates to the group. The alternates will be invited to and involved in all meetings, but only the eight primary members will be voting members. There were 91 people in our church body who received a nomination uh, to serve on this team. Uh, We had lots of response to this, but... Uh, as of today, I'm going to announce to you those eight team members and the two alternates who have agreed to serve that you all nominated. So those team members are made up of, um, well, let me just say before I give you this, one of the good things that happened, we had a lot of diversity as a result of this, uh, diversity in tenure of membership here, diversity in age, diversity in experience, uh, diversity in, in service within our church body. So um, those members are Miss Mary Eddings. Ms. Wendy Egbon, uh, Ms. Ginger Chestnut, Ms. Rhonda Adams, uh, Ms. Ashley Dowie is the alternate. Uh, one of the alternates, uh, in addition, Brian Garbade, Scott Taylor, Jason McCaskill, David Hance, and James Wilson is the other alternate. Their first meeting will be on October the 24th, and I hope um, that they can have concrete ideas to you all within three to six months. So they're going to have to work really hard to get those things together, but that is uh, the team that will be working together to get that in place. All right, so you guys be praying for the refocus team as they work to bring you all um, some very uh, specific goals, plans, and ideas for how it is that we can move into the next phase of our church body. I'm excited about it. I'm very anxious for what the Lord has in store for us. All right, having done all of those announcements and gotten them out of the way, I have to try to make a a change on my iPad because it keeps it keeps going off and it's not supposed to do that so that's a little bit frustrating uh, but beyond that we are excited and you should be in Matthew chapter 11 by now and we're going to read the first six verses of Matthew chapter 11 
All right, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would give us courage to lean upon you in the hard days, Father God. That you would give us, Father, words of comfort in our doubts that you would meet with us here. And God, for those who may have shown up a little bit beat up this week, I pray, Lord God, that they would walk out of here feeling, Father God, empowered to serve you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Have you ever had doubts in your life? I I, I mean, like, those real sorts of doubts, not sort of the, the, uh, the, you know, a little bit. Have you ever doubted? Not, 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 necessarily you know what 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 might you have doubted you might have doubted whether or not your spouse loved you some of you doubted whether or not your pastor loved you I've had that before because I unintentionally passed somebody and didn't speak and hey do you not like me and and it's, it's funny how the devil can use those little things to grab a foothold in our lives and so some of you have had similar experiences like but have you ever had a crisis of faith have you ever had a doubt about whether or not you were doing the right things we find in Matthew chapter 11, John having doubts. Now, who is this John? This is John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. And John is beginning to doubt whether or not Jesus is the one that he had hoped, prayed, and preached for. Now, what do we know about John? John was faithful, powerful. The Bible says that he preached with power he was respected he was even feared as a matter of fact we find him in prison today because he had spoken out against the king's relationship with his sister-in-law and as a result of john speaking into that situation john is imprisoned and yet right here we've got john scared john doubtful maybe you think that john wasn't everything we've made him up to be so let me read to you what jesus has to say about john Just jump right down a couple verses. Beginning in verse 7. The Bible says, As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare the way, your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come, let him, or he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Folks, when we talk about John being something special, it's not just like we thought that. Jesus said that John was a big deal. 
And yet this is the John that we find in prison. This is the John we find with doubts. This is the John that we see sending messengers to Jesus going, Have I made the right decisions? Have I wasted my life? Folks, I ask you this one. What do you do if you doubt? What if you doubt? Listen, I want you to know that if you do, you're not the first one and you won't be the last. John the Baptist began to doubt his faith and even his Savior. What do you do if you find yourself in that spot? Let's see what Jesus recommends, or what, excuse me, not what Jesus did. How did Jesus respond? What can you do? The first thing I want you to do is to be honest. Can we remember right now that John and Jesus are nearly the same age? John is just a few months older than Jesus, so that means, as best we can figure, John is somewhere in the neighborhood of about 31 years old when all this is taking place. John was a young man, and he's afraid that maybe, just maybe, he's wasted his whole life. Maybe he was wrong. John could have sat in his prison cell and sulked. He could have sat there and he could have doubted. He could have grown frustrated or even angry. John could have suppressed his doubts, but that wouldn't have taken them away. John was honest how many of you have found yourself doubting and just tried to bury it down and pretend like it didn't exist tried to 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 hide it all you see john expected something different he preached about one who would baptize with fire but you know fire doesn't seem to mesh very well with the ministry of jesus does it john's expecting power volcanic eruptions and instead what john sees is this ministry of peace this ministry of of care and of concern. John sees Jesus peaceful and partying. This is the Jesus that John encounters. And John is in prison and Jesus is outside preaching. And John says, I don't know if I made the right decision. You know there are going to be times in your life when you expect one thing from the Lord and you get something different. You expected healing and it didn't come. You expected prosperity and it didn't come. You expected success and there was failure. In those moments you may doubt. You may doubt his goodness. You may doubt his love towards you. You may even doubt his very existence. Folks, can I urge you when those days come, be honest. Tell the truth. Doubts are not rare. You aren't the first person to have them. You won't be the last. Let me encourage you to consider this part of, of, of a Puritan prayer from a little devotional called the Valley of Vision. I, I appreciate the way that it is addressed to the Lord. Sovereign commander of the universe. Listen, when I'm in doubt, don't, don't we need to know that he is in total and absolute control? Sovereign commander of the universe. I am sadly harassed by doubts, fears, unbelief in a felt spiritual darkness my heart is full of evil surmisings and disquietude and i cannot act faith at all my heavenly pilot has disappeared and i have lost my hold on the rock of ages i sink deep sink in deep mire beneath the storms and waves in horror and distress unutterable help me O lord to throw myself absolutely and wholly on thee for better or for worse without comfort and all but hopeless, give me peace of soul, confidence, enlargement of mind, morning joy that comes after night heaviness. Water my soul richly with divine blessings. 
Folks, do you know we need to be honest with the Lord? Here we have the prayer of a man, and it goes on and on as he pours out his soul to the Lord. God, I am in doubt. God, I am in terror. Folks, why do we try to hide things from him? He knows. He knows. Be honest. God already knows. And watch this. He can take it. He can take it. He can hear it from us. He will hear it from us. When John sent messengers to Jesus, Jesus listened. If you find yourself doubting today or tomorrow or two years from now, will you just be honest about it? Let me encourage you. Own those doubts. Acknowledge them. The second thing I would urge you to do this morning is to lean on your church family. If we're going to be the kind of church we want to be, we've got to be the kind of place where people can share their triumphs and their defeats, their faith and their fears and doubts. If you believe that you've got to put on a mask to come to church, we're doing it wrong. A church has got to be the kind of place where you can show up and you can say, you know, two years ago I was strong in my faith, but today I'm really struggling. Today it feels like my prayers won't make it past the ceiling. My children are struggling. My job is in a mess. And I wonder where is the Lord in these days? Folks, this is the value of life groups. This is the value of being engaged with a community of people where there can be real relationships. And you can trust them enough to share those hard things. You know, it can be kind of scary to share hard things with people that don't really know you. As the pastor, you don't want to roll up in there one day with a whole bunch of people that don't know you and be like, you know what, I'm not sure if Jesus is even real today. That ain't going to go real well. Now, I, I haven't been there yet. That doesn't mean I can't be. Who do you share your struggles with, your doubts? It's hard when we don't know people. When people know us, when they know us through and through and we share those things, we're, we're not judged in those moments. We're cared for. There's concern. Lean on your church home. Do you know that John was a prophet, a preacher, and a respected leader? He was, as Jesus said, Elijah the prophet, if we have ears to hear. We run all the way back to Malachi, where we were just last Sunday, and he said, Elijah's going to come. Jesus says, oh, that's him. He's all of these things. He is, I think that one of the words they would use today in politics, he is an interrupter. You like that? See, I'm down, I know. I'm pretty hip. I'm not? Oh, sorry. I had some other jokes to use today, but Angela told me I couldn't. She saved y'all. Y'all can thank her later. But John is all of this. And then watch, what did John do? He went to his disciples. Who were John's disciples? They were the people that John taught. They were the people that were walking in his footsteps. And John brings them in and goes, hey guys, you remember I've spent the last, oh I don't know, decade or so talking about this one who was to come? You remember guys, I've been telling you that we're preparing the way for this one? And, and, and John says, um, listen, I, I'm not sure that I was right. Whoa! Folks, this is rocking the world at this point. John goes to his disciples and they go, wait a minute, John. <laughs> like, we, we've been sold out following you, and now you're saying, hey, maybe I was wrong? John, we don't really have time for this. you imagine that? 
But John is honest with those people closest to him. He leans on them. He leans into them. They give life to each other. That's what strong family does. That's what church family does. That's what godly relationships do. They're safe places for us to celebrate victories and our doubts and fears and failures. And so John goes to his disciples and he says, Hey guys, I'm going to need you to go and talk to Jesus for me because I'm not sure that we're doing the right thing. How did John feel that confidence? Because what John understood was this. Even in his moment of greatest doubt, John still knew that he needed other people. Folks, we need other people. We weren't created to do life alone. We were not created to do life alone. When God said to Adam, it's not good that man should be alone, he created Eve. But we've got to get out of this idea that the only relationship that God created us to exist in is, is romantic relationships. God created us to be in relationship with other people all the time. Jesus had 12 close friends. We call them disciples. Three of those were the closest of his friends. And that wasn't all. We know of others in God's word that Jesus had close interactions with. John was surrounded by a group of men that were his disciples, his friends and his followers. Folks, we need that. When you find yourself in the midst of doubts, let me urge you, don't go hide yourself in a closet. Don't lock yourself in a dark house and just stay away. We need you to run to your church family and then watch. Church... We've got to be the kind of people that when doubts show up, we welcome them with open arms. We're not the kind of folks that hear those doubts and go, (laughs) what is that guy? We're the kind of people who hear those. We empathize, we sympathize, we love, we pray, we minister. When John went to his friends and told them what he needed, do you know what they did? They didn't go, John, you've lost your mind. John, we followed you, and John, I'm, not, I'm, I'm out. No, the Bible says that they went. John, if this is what you need in your moment of deepest need, then John, I'm here for you. This isn't really part of the sermon, but look, you know what a friend is, right? Isn't that what a friend is, the one that runs in when everybody else runs out? John is in prison all by himself. His friends still come to visit him, putting themselves in great peril and danger. And then they say, oh, John's like, I, I'm going to need you to do a little something else. And they're like, John, look here. We're already with you. Now you want us to go over there with him. You recognize, John, that you're putting all of us in danger. Imagine the moment when John says, I, I, I know, guys, I'm really sorry. I put you in a really bad spot, but I need you today. We have no question. We have no doubt. We know exactly what they did. They showed up. And they went out and they found Jesus and they took the message to Jesus. Folks, lean on your church family. Third, this morning, look at evidence. Be honest, lean on your church family, but look at the evidence. Do you know that Jesus didn't tell John to just hush and trust? Jesus didn't just say, you know what, John, I don't have time to listen to you today. Now, let's, let's go and look at what's going on in Jesus' life right now. Uh, he's just sent out the disciples into their ministry. This is a pretty stressful moment for Jesus, okay? In, in the human, human aspect of Jesus. We've got to remember, he experienced all those, those human emotions. He sent them out. He's tired. He's exhausted. We're, we're not too long after the Sermon on the Mount. There's a lot going on in Jesus' life and ministry. And all of a sudden, this guy who's supposed to be Jesus' number one fan, his biggest supporter, sends a couple of guys to say, uh, Jesus, listen, John sent us over here to say, hey, I've been... 
I've been preparing the way for you for a long time, but maybe I was wrong. Jesus, do we need to wait for another? Listen, in that moment, let me just tell you, like just a moment of confession. I have, I have serious doubts about Craig Thompson looking at one of my dear friends, friends who come to me and say, are you really what you said you were in the moment of my greatest, most stressful moment going, you know what? Let me just help you to understand this. I, I, there's a chance that I'm really short and snippy in this moment. There's a chance that I'm the guy that goes, Really, John? Today's the day that you decide to send somebody? Or you look at John's disciples and go, Really, guys? This couldn't have waited until tomorrow. But Jesus doesn't respond that way. The Bible says that Jesus gave John a reason to believe. He sent him evidence. How kind and gentle and generous is our Savior. Look, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now look, this might not seem like much to you, but we got to run all the way back to Isaiah 35, verse 4 and 6, 4 through 6. Let me read this to you. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Do you understand? John would have known these words, these words of prophecy saying this is the evidence of the coming Messiah. This is what he will do. As if that wasn't enough, when we read Luke's account, we're told that when John's disciples arrive, Jesus pumped the brakes for a minute. They show up, and Jesus took a few minutes and ministered in their presence. This is sort of implied in Matthew's account, but it's spelled out more clearly in, John, in Luke's account that with John's disciples there, Jesus healed many and he cast out demons. And then he looks at John's disciples and he says, Go and tell John what you hear and see. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. Go tell him that the prophecies find their yes and their amen in me. Folks, do you have doubts? Has anybody ever told you, and I hope they haven't, but maybe the devil's whispered in your ear, maybe your own flesh has risen up against you and accused you and told you that you shouldn't look for evidence, that you should just walk in blind faith and trust. Do you understand that when John was in a place of doubt, Jesus didn't say, well, just trust me and it'll all work out. Jesus gave evidence to John. John is at a place of great crisis in his life. And Jesus meets him with words of evidence. I am the one that you have looked for. I am the one that you've waited for. John, I'm the one that you've prophesied about. John, I'm the one you've been preaching about. John, you ready? Your life has not been wasted John says I'm 31 years and 8 months I'm not even 32 years old yet I gave it all 
Because I believed you were the one. Jesus, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of here, but I just need to know. Are you the one or should we wait? Should we wait? Jesus says, you need not wait any longer. The prophecies have been fulfilled. I have arrived. Do you doubt? Don't feel bad looking for evidence. Jesus provides it. Let me encourage you. If you have doubts about the truths of the things you read in God's Word, doubts about the existence of God even Himself, run to the evidence. It's there. It's there. Do not worry about whether or not this Word will stand up under scrutiny. It will not fail. Folks, we don't need to be afraid of questions being asked about the Word of God. Do you understand that? It will stand all on its own. Every word of it, every jit, every tottle, every sing, every jot, and I said the wrong wrong thing, but but you, you get it, but whatever, just go with me. It's all going to stand up. We don't need to worry about it. And this is where some of you are sitting there going, all right, Craig, that's great. I've not had this existential crisis in my life. Craig, how does this message really apply to me? I'm not in prison. Craig, there's never been a point in time where I had to send Jesus a letter and go, I'm not sure if you're what I was looking for. I want you to pay attention to a couple things. First, one thing in particular. Uh, Because in in, in this, this is so important. John is in prison facing death, doing nothing. It's important. John is ministering to no one. Now, from what we understand, the prison was most likely in one of Herod's palaces. Don't let that fool you. It's not as though that meant he was living in the lap of luxury. He is not. He is in a dank, dark palace prison. Somehow or other, he's still able to receive guests, but he is in a bad place. John has spent his entire ministry preaching to people, warning them of the coming day of the Lord, prophesying about the coming of Jesus, baptizing people in a baptism, looking toward repentance in Christ. He's in prison doing nothing. And in the midst of his doing nothing, in the midst of him not ushering in the kingdom, in the midst of all of that, He sends a word to Jesus. Jesus, I'm not doing anything. I want to know if I'm wasting my time. And do you know what he did not get from Jesus? He did not get judged. There was no judgment from Jesus. John is not preaching. John is not ministering. John is not ushering in the kingdom and John is not judged because Jesus' love toward us is not based on our ability. Jesus' love toward us is not based upon our works. Jesus' love toward us is based upon His undying love toward us. Period. Jesus loves us, not because we are lovable, but because he is loving. Some preachers through the years have referred to this passage in John's, or excuse me, in Matthew's gospel as the beatitude 
of the unoffended. So I, I say that to you this morning, and I urge you with this last point. Trust Jesus' heart. Trust Jesus' heart. Now the list of the Beatitudes is found in Matthew chapter 5, right? You, you, you've read those before. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be blessed. Blessed is the meek. You, you can turn right over there, you can see a whole bunch of them. And you can see all the things. And beatitude, just a word that means blessings. Are blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And so it's here that Jesus says in verse 6, And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This idea of beatitude or blessing, those who would do certain things would receive a blessing from the Lord. And the beatitudes are interesting because they're sort of reversed from what you would expect. Jesus says there is a blessing not for the one who serves me well, but simply for the one who is not offended by me, for the one who is not put off by me. John, what did you do to receive blessing from the Lord? Look, he sends a message and he says, Jesus, I am tired and I'm not sure I've made the right choices. And Jesus says, blessed are you, John, not for your preaching, not for your teaching, not for your baptizing. Blessed are you because when it was all said and done, you've not been ashamed. You've not been unoffended. You're not doing anything and it doesn't matter. What does John do in this passage to earn Jesus' blessing? Absolutely nothing. We're uncomfortable with this idea of grace. Hey, we're capitalist Americans. We live in a meritocracy. We like to think that I do something to earn it. You do nothing to earn Jesus' love, grace, and mercy. And if you think you deserve it, you are really, really, really wrong. John spent his entire life in ministry, but in this moment, John needs ministering too. When you find yourself in doubt, will you trust Jesus' heart? Now again, up to this point, a lot of you are going, Craig, what does this have to do with me? Watch. There are many kinds of doubt. You might not have ever had those earth-shaking kinds of doubts. And if you have, it's okay. If you haven't, that's okay too. You can trust Him in the midst of those earth-shaking doubts. But you might have different doubts where you can trust Him. You might have doubts about the importance of church. Doubts about a particular doctrine or theological conviction. You may have doubts about the Genesis creation account or about a biblical view of sexuality. Do you know you can trust him with all those doubts? I, I, I'm so bothered and concerned for the fact that people go, I'm not sure if I trust this about God's word. And I go, have you gone to Jesus and you trusted him with your doubts? Did you carry them to the Lord and lay them there and say, God, I am having a hard time, but here I am. Why don't we do that? Because we're so afraid that he's going to slap our hand the moment that we go to him. got to be careful. I'm going to get ahead of myself in my sermon. Some of you, if you're honest, you've served faithfully. Maybe you've served many years, but you're just tired. And in some sort of way, you doubt whether Jesus cares for your weary heart. See, this is the doubt I, 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 I believe might be most prevalent within the church today. That we're tired, that you're worn out, you're exhausted. 
And you're just not sure that Jesus cares because you believe that you got to keep on working. John was there. He was tired. He was scared. He was done. And Jesus did not slap John's hand. Instead, Jesus ministered to John right there in prison. See, maybe you're here and you get weighed down by messages about getting busy and getting to work, right? I was sharing in my life group this morning. I preached on parenting and, and, and relationships last Sunday. It's hard work because as I preach those things, I look out and I see pain and hurt. And folks, some of you walk in this Sunday going, I don't know if I can take another one of those because I'm not sure how much more I can do. Maybe you're here and you get weighed down. Some of you hear a vision like the one that we've been talking about that's going to require uh, building and you get motivated. You're like, we're going we're to build something later. Let me write a check. Let me get my work boots out. Let me do whatever I can to get on board. Others of you go, oh my goodness, there's more things that we're going to do. Some of you slump in your seat and say, Jesus, I am just tired. Do you even hear me? I've got really, really good news for you. He heard John in prison. And he hears you today in the midst of whatever doubt you find yourself in. See, there's a few of you that didn't walk in today wondering whether or not God actually created the universe. You're pretty convinced of that. You're not wondering about the bodily resurrection of Jesus. You're pretty convinced of that. You're really not even questioning the validity, the truthfulness of God's word, the value of the church. But somewhere deep down in a place that you haven't yet voiced to anybody because you feel guilty about it, there's a part of you that wonders whether or not God cares that you're just absolutely exhausted. That you're just tired. You've sought to serve Him faithfully. You may have served faithfully in the church for years and you're just tired and you begin to wonder maybe this was part of John's worry Jesus I'm stuck in this jail cell do you remember me you ever wonder if maybe John's words his questions his doubt maybe John was just reaching out Jesus do you still care do I need to wait for somebody else or are you the one and John Jesus says John I'm right here not only am I the one but John I haven't forgotten you and John, you're not doing anything today, but that hasn't changed my love towards you. Blessed are you, John, because you have not been offended by me. Do you doubt? Be honest. Do you doubt? Maybe they're small doubts. Maybe, maybe it really is one of those doubts where some of you might sincerely have that question about whether or not your pastor cares about you. Do you even know I'm here? Folks, let me tell you, I want you to be honest with Jesus about it, but when I talk about running to your church, I want you to, I want, I'm a part of that church. Talk with somebody in your life group. Tell them you've been hurt by a pastor in the church, maybe a pastor in your past. Talk with somebody in your life group, but y'all call me. We need to be the kind of place where we can hear those things. Be honest. Run to your church family. Look at the evidence. But finally, look at Jesus' heart. 
Look, we're going to finish up right here. Because Matthew chapter 11 is this chapter that's packed full of good stuff. And if you're the person here who's had those earth-shattering doubts, I want you to know that Jesus offers answers to those. But if you're here today and your question is simply whether or not God cares about you in your particular tough spot, context is king in God's word. And the context of Matthew 11 gives us this great hope. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to, to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal himself, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you have spent many years laboring for Jesus. And today what you need to hear is this. He loves you right where you are. His love toward you is not dependent upon your work for Him. We don't work to earn His love. We work out of the overflow of his love. There's some of you who should be serving faithfully in God's kingdom today. There are some of you who are part of this church who more than anything today need to be ministered to by the church and by the Holy Spirit of God. The very fact that you showed up here on a Sunday morning in an conservative evangelical baptist church very few of you showed up here today and were surprised by what you got if you're a visitor you might have been surprised by the music maybe maybe you were surprised because there weren't enough ties in the room maybe there's something like that but you weren't surprised to hear somebody stand up and say we believe the word of god is true which leads me to believe that for most of you there aren't these earth-shattering doubts going on in your life about whether or not god's word is what it claims to be Well, there are some of you here today who doubt whether or not Jesus still hears. Whether or not Jesus still cares. You're not locked away in a prison physically somewhere. But truthfully, you've served him faithfully for years. And life has gotten really hard. And you find yourself saying, Lord, are you the one? Now, you've not asked him whether or not he's the Messiah. You believe that. No, no, no. Jesus, are you the one who can heal my broken heart? Jesus, are you the one who can actually hear me, help me, love me, care for me? 
The invitation today is really, really simple. Come and find rest. Come on. Are you worn out? We see you. We hear you. We just remembered the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And uh, my, one of my favorite scenes from that period of time in our country and in our collective lives is George W. Bush visiting Ground Zero. And he's standing on top of that pile of rubble and he takes, he takes a megaphone and he gives sort of an impromptu speech. I, I, I showed this to my kids. And there's somebody in the back of the crowd who screams out, We can't hear you! Y'all remember what Bush said? He said, But I hear you! And America hears you! Folks, we hear you today. And Jesus hears you. And he offers you this word of comfort and promise. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And some of you have read that passage of scripture and you said, But is he really? And that's why you got to run all the way back to the beginning of chapter 11. Because when John doubted, Jesus proved his words true. He didn't slap his hand. He didn't send a sharp rebuke. Blessed are you. He was unoffended by me. Jesus loves you. And you can trust his heart. Will you trust him today? Maybe you're a guest with us today and you've been burned up by a church somewhere. That happens. I wish it didn't. Sometimes, sometimes Christian people act in unchristian ways and, and we hurt folks. Maybe you've been burned by a church somewhere. You can come right here and pray. Maybe you're just tired at home. Parenting gets hard. Marriage gets hard and you say, Lord, I just, I'm just exhausted. Maybe you've been serving faithfully in the church for years. And you just want it, Lord, is it worth it? Maybe your job's hard. Maybe life is just hard and you're really not sure why. He hears you. He loves you right where you are. The invitation today, you don't have to do anything. You can come and fall at the feet of Jesus. He will give you rest. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I just trust you. I trust, Lord God, that we can come and crumble at your feet. And God, you'll put the pieces back together. I trust you, Lord God, that like John, we can find ourselves separated, alone, scared. You haven't forgotten us. So, Father God, I pray for the one here today the two, the three, maybe the one or two watching at home who feels alone, left out, and forgotten. They can't do anything they believe. Lord God, I pray they'd be encouraged by these words. Blessed is he who is not offended by me. Would you bless those, Lord God, 
who've offered you nothing in return for Lord God that is who you are would you give us confidence comfort trust in your heart in Jesus name amen stand with us and sing this morning and as we sing I want you to this altar is open you can come pray if I could pray for you I'd love to pray with you but sing this morning Christ is risen from the grave